Hello, everyone, and welcome to More Than Macros Radio. I'm your host, Coach B. Let's talk about how I can help you figure your shit out when it comes to all the BS and the trends in the nutrition and fitness industry. I am a nutrition coach that understands the hurdles that women face every day, as I too am a wife and a mother, which is why a sustainable lifestyle can't just consist of tracking your macros. Join me each week as I, or sometimes we, talk about everything from health, wellness, nutrition, mindset, body, and fitness. The goal of this podcast is to have you think more about your habits and behaviors, your relationship with food, and for you to get really curious about where you are right now and where you want to be. If you've been struggling with your health and wellness and achieving your goals, you cannot afford to miss out on this podcast. Thanks for listening. Let's dive into today's episode. Welcome back to More Than Macros Radio. I'm your host, Coach B, and I am not alone again. I, it's like I can't do this without anybody <laughs> beside me. Um, I'm here with Sarah. Um, now, okay, so Sarah, we, we can't call you the Chubby Crossfitter anymore because you've changed your handle. Yes, which I'm happy about. So thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> yes, um, because I think most of people will um, probably associate you with that handle. And so um, I want to, you know, put that out there right away that um, Sarah is Sarah. <laughs> mm-hmm. She's no longer the chubby CrossFitter. So, um, today is going to be a really, I, you know, I probably should, we probably should have pressed record before we even like, before we just did, because we were already in a heated conversation about what we're going to talk about. Um, but Sarah and I, have, you know, uh, we have this amazing, great relationship through HMCC plus, um, mutual coaching experiences and working with one another. And I think that, we've come across a few things in the nutrition and fitness industry that kind of was like, you know, I, I, I'm going to be honest, it's rubbing me the wrong way. So I think this is where we're going to have this conversation, but there's a lot of, um, Oh, what's the word I want? Like, there's just a lot of phrases and context that's being thrown out there that I think that people who are the gem public are starting to like everything else. I mean, get com- really confused and, or are, are stuck in that, all or nothing. Like they actually, there is no gray. Like they're thinking that they either have to be this way because this post says so. And this one says this one. And I feel like we need to have this conversation. So the one topic for sure is the earning the right to diet. Um, I've said this in the past and I've really thought about this over probably the last, for sure, the last couple of weeks, because Sarah and I've talked a lot about it, but um, just that language, that, that whole, that phrase of like, Hey, if you want to diet, you have to earn your right to diet. And I've had to take a step back and I've really thought like, who the fuck says anybody has to earn anything? So that being said, that's what we're going to talk about, but we're going to switch gears a little tiny bit here. Um, Sarah is going to kind of put me a little bit more on the hot seat. She's probably going to um, uh, ask me a lot more questions. Um, it, it'll be back and forth for sure, but I just wanted to put that out there that I'm going to let Sarah take control here. But if there's anything that you wanted to start off with, you know, um, you know, Sarah, with your, like with, with introduction or whatever, by all means, take, take the platform, but that's where we're at. We're going to start this conversation, just dive right in. Yeah. So earn the right to diet conversation came up because it's something we've been seeing on social media. Uh, just asking my audience on Instagram, their feedback on how they perceive this. And we're going to go a different, a few different ways here. I want to start by saying that language is not semantics. It's actually very important, especially in nutrition. And when we coach people, especially when we deal with women who, I mean, to be honest, we kind of have a lot of people with disordered eating thoughts and language and practices and behaviors. And that's something that we're working hard to mitigate without going off the deep end and fully saying that dieting is bad. Fat loss is bad. If you want to lose weight, you're not happy with yourself. Like it's much more nuanced. And I think the thing that Brandy and I both appreciate is the nuance and context. We're also seeing a lot of overgeneralizations from this uh, language, I guess, um, from post. So what we want to dive into is we want to give more context and nuance. We want to talk about why we don't like this language in the first place, how it's not just semantics and yeah, just go a little bit further. So, um, the first thing that was brought up by people who were DMing me was that, first of all, they want us to talk about why this language is hurtful from the coach client relationship in the way that 
they feel like their autonomy is taken away because a coach, they're waiting on that coach to give them permission or not permission to do X, Y, Z. So that's where I want to start and just, just go off like what your thoughts are from that perspective. Like, I think first and foremost, I think it's really important to understand like the coaching relationship is a partnership. So if your client's coming to you and they have some concerns about whether or not they're in a place to diet or they have these goals, it's, it's a conversation and it's, it's really about the no like trust factor between the two of them for sure. Right. So even for myself, from a client, uh, from a coaching standpoint, I want to know what's going on with that client from, you know, from, you know, when they were a child, basically to where they are now and where they want to go. Like, I want to, I want all the deeds. Um, I think that it's important to let the client know also too, that, you know, I'm not, I'm just here to guide them. Like I'm your, I'm your teacher. I'm your coach. I'm your accountability, but I'm not here to change your mind. Like that is not my job. My job is not to tell you what to do. My job is to allow you to take the information that I'm sharing with you to then make a decision that's best for you. And while that decision may not be always the best decision, I'm going to allow you to make that decision while I give you some more education on why it may not be the best time or the worst time or whatever that looks like for you. But at the end of the day, it's not about changing the client's mind. It's about educating and give them the, um, providing the navigational tools to get them to where they want to be. That's what it's really about. Like, that's what I feel. I don't know about you. No, I fully agree. And I can already anticipate some questions that are kind of come off there if there's coaches listening to that. So of course there's all these different caveats, but what if a client wants to do this and it really is detrimental to their health? Well, this is where critical thinking comes in. We're obviously not going to lead a client down a road that we know is going to be detrimental to their health or their lifestyle. So um, for instance, if we have a client who wants to starve themselves, like let's just take it to the extreme for a second. But if we have a client who does want to like literally starve themselves, that's where the coach is like steps away and, you know, essentially says, Hey, I'm not the coach to work with you. I will get applications from, you know, folks who want to diet while losing, while training for a marathon. That's something that I see quite frequently. And as a coach, I know that that is going to backfire. That's not conducive. They're completely opposing goals. One is fat loss. One is weight. Um, one is performance-based. And so they don't coincide together. But what I do is when I get those types of people is I educate them on why that's the case. I don't judge them. Um, this is typically coming from people who are just not informed on how physiology works or how nutrition and performance and training and all that stuff. The way that they probably view marathon training is just exercise and output. And, and as long as you're taking in less than you're expending, you're going to lose fat. which is true, but there it's much more nuanced than that. And performance in long distance racing in general really deserves that kind of respect. So from how I approach it is I educate them on, I inform them, I give them alternative, better options, such as like nutrition and goal periodization. And then I ultimately say that, Hey, you get to choose what you want to do. Just know that I can't be the coach to help facilitate that program for you. And that is just a reasonable way to one, educate clients, not tell essentially make them feel stupid or feel like they have to earn something to get to a certain goal. I'm here to educate. And then if I really feel like they're stepping outside of this irresponsible way of wanting to live their life, well, that's up to the coach to be like, I can't work with you then. And that's reasonable. And that's, we expect that in the coaching industry. So anyone who wants to take that into the extremes and say, well, I have a client who wants to do this and I just can't, you know, allow them to do that. Well, yeah, you use your common sense and say, you know, I can't work with you if this is the road that you want to take while also informing them uh, why it's not the road that you want to take. What do you think? Well, I also, yes, all of that and more. Um, The thing too, is like to remember as coaches, like, here's the thing, like as much as for some of you, you might be just taking on this client because you need to pay the bills. You need to really um, be aware that, you know, you don't have to do anything um, because that client, I mean, while they might have these goals um, and you you, you can see the red flag sitting there. It still isn't your job to tell them that it's, I mean, to me, it's like telling somebody they can't do it is, or you must burn or whatever it is to me, that's, it, it doesn't, it's not doing them any good. I think what we have to do is like Sarah said, is take a step back, um, give some context, educate, and then explain as to why you don't think you're the best fit for them. Right. Because you can have your beliefs all you want, because this is part of the this is the part of the problem in this industry is that you as a coach have certain beliefs and you throw that onto your client. That's not fair to the client. You know, like Mm -hmm. they may not even understand what the fuck it is that you're talking about. You're throwing words and phrases out to them and they're like, "Okay, I just came to you because 
I am unhappy with my, my body and, you know, like, or I want to run a marathon and you're telling them what they can and cannot do. It's like black or white. And it's, it's not, it's not the right approach in my opinion. And and I do see this. I see it also too, like to give an example too, is like, it's like the client that comes to me and wants to compete. And while I used to be a competitive bodybuilding um, coach, I'm no longer in that enough industry. Like, I, I mean, I'm the one who wants to help you after, like, I want to help you with the reverse diet, that kind of thing. However, um, if that person's coming to me saying their best friend did this and they, and they're already a lean physique and they're expecting these miracles, I'm going to step them through the process of what a bodybuilding contest entails, what the before, after, during all those things, I'm going to educate them. And then I'm going to ask them, so what are your thoughts? Do you feel like you can manage this? This is a, this is the, this is what is required. This isn't just your basic run of the mill diet. This is what's required. Do you know, Sarah, when I was, uh, when I, when I decided to go back into competing, the coach that I hired, he knew me, we, we had been on stage together. And do you know what, even though as a coach, he still said to me, Brandy, I'm just reminding you, this is contest prep. This is not, this is no bullshit. This is like, I don't want to hear your excuses. He was straight up. But in the the way in which I had to understand as an athlete, the expectations, but he didn't tell me I could or could not do it. He just laid it out to have me make the decision of like, I'm going to pull that trigger and I'm going to follow through. Okay. So I still think like, yeah, like there, there are things out there that, yeah, I'm, I agree with, you know, most of these coaches where they'll think they should not be doing that. I've had clients come to me who are borderline anorexic thinking they still need to lose body fat. And again, education, understanding where they were, where they are right now, where they want to go. And then from that standpoint, as a coach, knowing whether or not I know I can help them, not just taking them because of the dollars, but understanding if I, as the coach, know that I can educate them, guide them, have the accountability, everything to help them understand that this may not be the right time, but that doesn't mean it can't happen. That we just need to understand where the human is right now. So that's kind of where I'm at. I don't even know if I answered your question because I went on a little bit of a tangent, I think. Um, I actually don't even know either, but it was still good. And I came up with other questions from it. So we're just going to go with it. So this, this is going to lead me into two different directions with you. So there's a couple, so I've seen some checklists come up lately. Of, this is what you need to have check marked off first before you can start dieting. And we're coming at this from anyone who just wants to lose weight. And you do that through deficit calories. That's what we're talking about as far as dieting goes. So there's these checklists that exist and say, you should have all of this lined up before, um, before you start dieting. But also I have to add in this little phrase that you said, talking about when that right time is and something that people are leaving out, or maybe this is just the way that coaches are creating content these days is that right time is going to differ between people. And that's why I have a hard time with these checklists because they're going to be relevant to some and not relevant to others. So for instance, this checklist may be relevant to me at this point in my journey, but four years ago, it, it wouldn't have. And it actually wouldn't have been helpful to make sure I had all, you know, all these lined up before I started my weight loss journey. So um, can we talk about the nuance of what is the right time to diet? Like if you have a client, what are some scenarios where um, those right times are actually going to look different. Well, it's, you know, again, like it's, it's tough because there's, everybody is individual, right? So mm-hmm. how do you even answer that question? Um, there are some basic things that I think need to be asked for sure. Like, um, again, and I, and I'm going to encompass it with just basically like where you are right now. So you as the human, what's been going on with your life? What have you been doing? What's your, you know, everyday activity, what's your life like in general? Like, let's talk about it. You know, are you a mom? You know, all these things. Okay. And then we're going to talk about what was happening. Where have you been? And, and let me, let me phrase this a little bit differently. Sarah, the questions that I ask you about where you are right now are going to be different than where you were because where you are right now will matter for moving forward. But where you were is really, really important because why are you here now? You know, like you're Mm -hmm. a byproduct of the choices that you've been making. So it's important Mm -hmm. for me to understand, have you been somebody who's been a chronic dieter? Are you somebody who has been super stressed? Have you changed jobs? Have you had kids? Did you suffer postpartum? Um, Have you had surgery? Like all of these things, like were you sidelined for like six months because of a back injury? All of these things, right? They'll are you perimenopause? Like all of it, right? Mm-hmm. So these things matter. And that checklist will be different for every single person. So when you see these checklists posted, and even I've had to pull back on some of these checklists because you can use them generally speaking for sure. 
But what about the woman who doesn't realize that all the symptoms that she's going through is the fact that she's perimenopause and that her metabolism isn't quote unquote broken, Mm -hmm. right? Like maybe she's been somebody who's just been through like the midlife crisis, but also, you know, like is suffering from depression and, or all these other things going on. Those checklists may not apply to her. Mm -hmm. So if she reads them and says, well, I want to lose some body fat. And then she's thinking, oh my God, I don't even check any of these boxes. Like what the fuck? Then it's almost like defeating to that client. And again, especially if it's, if it's, if it's something where it's like the caveat is, you know, or the big title, sorry, is like, do you earn your right? Or are you ready? You know, like I can say, are you ready? But the phrase that comes out mostly is like, you have to earn your right to diet. And I'm like, no, like earn what? Right. Because again, we have to understand. So if I ask the question of like, where's your mindset? What's your relationship with food, your exercise relationship? Like people forget about that in terms of like this journey, all of these things matter. And then what do you want to do? Okay. So taking your example of the person who might be the hybrid. So they want to lift weights, but they also want to run a marathon. Maybe they're even like, I actually CrossFit and run, you know, like all of that. Mm -hmm. Are you going to tell them they can't do that because they want to lose body fat? Some coaches do. (laughs) Right. That's the problem, right? That's the problem. So it's like, okay, so I think you, if you wanted to diet, let's look at that because where are your goals with your running? Like, when do you run? Like, when's this marathon Mm -hmm. happening? Blah, blah, blah day. Okay, cool. But you also do CrossFit. Are you, do you feel like you're fueling? Like, that's the question you have to ask. How do you feel when you're doing this before you just decide, well, you can't do it. You're already underfeeding yourself. Like that's not, that's not true. Depends on the human and where they are right now. And I think that you have to ask these questions, but never does anybody, in my opinion, have to earn any right to do anything. I think they need to be educated. They have to make a decision based on what you're explaining. So as a coach, if you're good at your job, you are going to be that coach for them. You are going to educate, educate them. You are not just looking for the number to come in the door and let them pay you. And that Mm -hmm. Sarah is part of the problem I see is that it's just, you're just a number with a goal that you know you can do, but you want to do the diet before the diet or whatever that is to keep them longer. Maybe they don't require it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like, I just think that so much of this is, is built into what coaches they think believe, like they're putting their own beliefs on a client. And I don't think that it's not necessarily true. You actually bring up a great point. I came, I came across, this was something I believe in another podcast episode where they were talking about uh, nursing moms and weight loss, which gets real. Like people are very opinion about that topic. I'm very neutral about it. Uh, 10 years ago when I was pregnant, it, losing weight while you were nursing and postpartum was like expected or not expected, like from a societal beauty standard, but like, you know, you just thought, okay, if I'm nursing, I'm going to, you know, lose weight. That's going to help me facilitate that postpartum recovery. Great. What I'm seeing is conversations about like, you shouldn't even be thinking about weight loss you know, within a year of postpartum. And part of my problem with that is who are you to say that my job as a coach, if I get a client who's in that position, my job is to be like, all right, here's what's going to happen. If we do this, here's what's going to happen. If we do this and here's the expected outcome, what are your thoughts on that? And have it be, like you said, a collaborative relationship. So they have an understanding of what they're asking. Is it even realistic or durable? And then you go from there. Yeah. And I'll, I'll say like, even in that, that, um, that, example is like, I'm, I agree with you. Like, who are you to say that? Number one. Um, number two, I think that again, it goes back to the client and asking them where they are and where they've been. So, you know, like you get, you get as much context as possible so that you as the coach can make, you know, you can assess. Okay. So you're not making a decision for the client. You're assessing the situation basically, and you're going to give your best recommendations. And maybe those recommendations might have a little bit of a you know, you kind of lean into that. It's not a great idea, but you have to explain why, but again, that situation, I don't think that it, 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 to me, depending on the person, why can't you want to lose weight? Mm -hmm. Right? Like, why can't you? And, and honestly, um, if you're not putting yourself in any negative, you know, um, situation with, your fuel, your energy levels and all that kind of stuff. I think it's still okay. Like the thing is, is like what people don't understand is like when you're a breastfeeding mom or postpartum mom, most of the time, if, if what you do on a regular basis is happening, then you're probably going to by default lose body fat anyways. 
no one has to purposely, we're not talking about purposely restricting things. We're just like, Hey, so you were eating a lot of processed foods while you were, while you were pregnant, right? Because you just like had aversions to food. How about we just start cleaning that up? Cleaning that up doesn't mean like you're doing anything wrong. And mm-hmm. by, by default, they might start like dialing in some of their habits, behaviors, and by default, they are just losing body fat. That doesn't mean they're underfueled or doing anything inherently wrong because they're postpartum and breastfeeding. You know what I mean? Exactly. And I think, yeah. again, it's taboo. It isn't mm-hmm. taboo. You're, mm-hmm. There should be no guilt or shame built into the fact that you want to, you know, um, be in a better place. Because again, is that not stepping on that accepting uh, where you are? Like mm-hmm. no one has to accept anything, in my opinion. That is a personal thing. And if it's not infringing on their livelihood, if it, it is not putting them somewhere on a, like on a ledge, you know what I mean? So to mm-hmm. speak, why can't we want to change? And again, that comes back to the whole, like, okay, well, if you want to change, you still have to earn your right. Fuck that. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Because it comes back down to education. It comes back to working with the client and understanding. And I mean, I've said this to you before, you want to meet the client even though you meet the client, that client still might be like in a place where you know that, oh, we have work to do. But again, you can't say no, but you can still, ex- like I'm telling you right now, the more you educate, like I have clients that don't want to reverse diet because they don't understand how 1200 calories or less is not helping them. But the more I talk about what the benefits of eating more food, I'm not talking about dieting. I'm talking about the benefits of doing something different. Let's, let's not dwell on anything else. Like yeah, you're, 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 you know, yeah, you've been a binge eater or whatever. Let's work on like, this is why eating more calories will help you. Right. So I think that again, it just comes back to educating the client versus telling them what they can and cannot do. We have to allow the client to have some autonomy, right? Absolutely. And the more that they make a decision, the more they build on that, what we call what self-efficacy, they are now proving to themselves that they can do hard shit. But if we tell them what to do, they don't get that chance. And if we tell them they earn it, the shit they were doing before, that's where that guilt comes in because somehow they think now what they were doing before was wrong. And I, that's where I'm feeling like that word earn in a lot of contexts, like a lot of posts, like everything that I'm seeing is like, you earn the right to earn the right. Like, it's kind of like you earn the right to have a cheat meal. What did you do wrong? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that's where I think that has to start to change. Like, I really just think that we as coaches just need to understand the client. And also too, like I keep going back to like, it's not just about where they want to go because that's part of the problem. We focus too much on that. They want to diet. So you just go right to, you know, like, okay, well, you're not eating enough calories. So we got to reverse diet you. Okay. Well, hold on a second here. That's not true. Necessarily speaking. Because maybe this person really doesn't understand what it is that they've fucking been doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like they might think they're eat, under eating or the one day journal you get from them or even a week's journal. That doesn't paint the picture of what has been going on for over and over. That's where your coaching experience starts to take place and you start to understand their journey. You know, like that's why these like get, you know, fit, freaking shredded, whatever you want to call it, six week programs. I mean, and I even have a six week program, but no one in there is like getting shredded because I'm educating them on why things have been the way they are, why it's been difficult. But I I haven't told a single one in there that they can't diet, that they can't lose body fat. I'm not going to do that because they have the right to still have that goal. They just need to understand that it might take a little bit more time and that there is a method to our madness of coaching. And to understand the implications of their of their decisions if they do decide to go that route that's really important for clients to understand so I had a a recent client who joined the hard house team who said you know we you know I lost weight and then my coach kept reversing me but I kept seeing that scale go up and I kept saying I don't think I think we're not at maintenance anymore I'm not maintaining my weight I'm, I'm in a surplus and my coach disagreed with me and I just kept gaining weight. And then we were at maintenance and I was like, you know what? I kind of want to lose some of this body fat. She's like, oh no, you haven't been at maintenance long enough, which we can also talk to um, the, this idea that we have to be at maintenance for an X amount of time before we can even diet. And I don't know where that came from. I think the theory of that is, is let's give benefit of the doubt. I, I understand where that's coming from because it's like, we, we have, we're struggling as women with this whole fat loss body image, societal beauty of standards, like all of that is kind of encompassed in that, right? This body positivity stuff. So on the one hand, it's coming from a good place of like, why are we dieting all the time? 
Why do we feel like we're, life's going to be better when we lose weight? Well, speaking from personal experience, life is better when you lose weight, but that's a different kind of conversation. So I get it. I get why it's like, why we want to learn how to maintain, have these healthy behaviors without thinking that we need to change in order to do that. But on the other side of it, I don't know where this is coming from that we, there's like, no, I haven't seen it. Find it for me where we need to be at maintenance for a certain amount of time before we can diet. Talk about that. Well, there isn't. And the thing is, is that I think it comes from, um, to be honest, my personal opinion is it comes from the physique world. So if you're going to diet really, really hard and get to really low levels of body fat and you diet, let's say for instance, and and I would approach it this way with a contest prep. Um, I think reverse dieting into maintenance has the application of like an advanced physique client who wants to navigate post-show, like they're, they want to reduce the amount of fat regain. So stop the rebound and then um, get ready for the next show. So they want to put themselves in a better position, a little bit, maybe a maintenance surplus to gain muscle mass. Right. Cause we will, you know, but the problem with that is that, um, or sorry, before I go into the problem is that you want to do that. And so if you're, if you're dieting for about 12 weeks and you got down to Uber low, you know, levels of body fat, then let's put you at maintenance for 12 weeks. But that doesn't mean those adaptations won't happen again. And that's the thing that people don't understand is that there, you know, adaptations are going to occur. Um, they're going to be harder for some versus others. You know, there's that thrifty and spendthrift um, metabolism type of scenario. And again, like those are phenotypes. And these are all things that are like in the depths of, of what we call metabolism, but we don't want to talk about that because that's beyond what anybody here needs to understand. The reality is, is that spending time at maintenance has a few applications. And I think for people to understand this is that maintenance is really about, you don't really want to diet. Like you don't want to make changes, right? So you're happy with where things are. The problem that I see is that people think that being at maintenance means that they can't then move into a different phase. And again, that is, you can have that, like those are choices. But again, I always come back to the, why do you have to diet? Like, why, why do you feel like, you know, getting leaner and all that? So understanding the why still has to go into there. But again, um, there, I don't think there's any right or wrong because you can do a four, four week mini cut and get, you know, like lose body fat. Doesn't mean you have to like, Oh my God, you automatically have to be at maintenance for four weeks. That that's not, that's not what this means. Because again, I believe, and I, I mean, maybe there'll be some expert out there that says Brandy you're wrong, but I believe that maintenance requires few things. Number one, it helps you understand the physical changes your mental aspect, your emotional aspect to dieting, like what occurred there? What do you need to rebuild? Number one. Number two is like, if you want to not diet again, maintenance is great because you're not putting yourself into a surplus where you're putting yourself into a fat gain. Okay. And and even if you're doing muscle mass, you don't need to be eating a shit ton of calories. Again, coming from the physique world that you got to bulk up. That's not true either. You just need Mm -hmm. a tiny little bit of a surplus to put on muscle mass. But again, people overshoot all the time. So again, maintenance allows you, and believe me, there's a sliding scale. People think it's one number. It's not because it depends on your total daily energy expenditure as well. And where you are with your relationship with food and exercise. So again, maintenance to me is, is just like, it's a phase that you have to be willing to sit in because that's what you want. Not because you have to, because metabolic adaptations, when you diet are still going to occur. And like I said, for some people, you adapt so fast, like we have to make constant changes. For others, I can make one change and they sail through and it's like, boom, I lost, you know, blah, blah, pounds and I'm eating 3000 calories. Good for you. Fuck, you're lucky. But not everybody has that. We're individuals. Our metabolisms are all different. And I think that to say to somebody, you need to earn your right, get back into maintenance, sit there for fucking 20 years. That's not, you know, I know you want to laugh. <laughs> But it's true. Like those are the messages that you're getting. And I used to sometimes say that to people like, okay, well, if you've been dieting for 14 weeks, we need to sit at maintenance. I'll tell you, try and convince that person to sit at maintenance for 14 weeks because it's boring as fuck. But for me as a client or as my own client, because I did this to myself, I did build myself up to maintenance and I sit here happily. You know why? Because I was fortunate enough to put my body through the ringer of contest prep. I was patient enough to work through the reverse diet to figure out if this really does work. Cause I was the person who didn't believe in it. I thought there's no fucking way that I can eat more calories and not regain. And mm-hmm. I'm sitting where I feel comfortable. Now, somebody might say you're still eating low calories. Cause you only eat 2000 a day. Fuck you. I'm not, I feel good. But again, like those are the things and I'm sitting here and I'll never diet again. 
But that means my habits and behaviors support that. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference. I think that when people go to maintenance, they don't even understand why they're there. They don't understand because you've been told by a coach, you have to sit at maintenance. What the fuck does that mean? Mm-hmm. And for me, again, Sarah, I'm going to go right back to it. Where are you right now? Where have you been? Where do you want to go? And that means we need to understand where you are as a human. How is your relationship with food? How's your relationship with exercise? What are your stressors? What's going on? Sure, there's some check boxes in there, but it's what was going on too. How many diets have you been on? And do you truly believe that you've been a chronic under eater? Like when you tell me you've been on 1200 calories or are you someone who quote unquote eats clean all week and then overeats on the weekend? Again, just because you're that person does not mean you don't earn the right or sorry, that you have to earn the right to diet. It just means, whoa, okay. So let's educate you on what's going on here. Do you realize that your, your lower calories, they're kind of not working for you because if we were to equate this, you're actually sitting at about 1600 calories every day if you'd spread it out every day, but instead mm-hmm. you eat 1100 calories every freaking day, Monday to, I don't know, Thursday and a half Friday comes Saturday comes and you're all out, but you could have just easily been like, if a coach had shown you that you can, you know, eat consistently throughout the week, you probably actually lose weight without even dieting per se and feel better and feel better. You know? So like, again, I don't, I think it's about educating and honestly, understanding, and, and I know you're not going to talk about this, but it's like the coach who says, I actually don't give a shit what your goals are. You should, because I do have a client right now who came to me and said, by the end of December of 2022, she wants to lose hundred pounds. And I said to her, that's a great goal. However, hundred goal, hundred pounds, we can't control. We have to focus on the things that haven't been working for you. So what does that look like? Do you know, we've been working together for three months and it's taken quite a bit of time for her to understand that she does get in her own way. It's habits, behaviors, but I've never told her one time, well, we got to do this work so you can earn your right to diet. No, we need to put you in a place so that you can manage your choice of dieting. As in, you got to understand your habits, behaviors. Like if you are not aware of food choices, that's going to not benefit you. If you don't know what protein is, that's not benefiting you. And if you've been someone who has used food as a coping mechanism, it definitely is not going to benefit you. So let's work on that shit. And you know what? Maybe the hundred pounds will happen or maybe it won't, but I'm not going to sit here and say to you, well, you've been messing things up big time. And I'll tell you this right now, you got to check all these boxes before you earn your right. Cause that's not, that's not how it works. No, I agree with you. You actually made me think of a client who's going to be starting with me in a couple of weeks. She has a wedding. I think come September, which it's April. So that's short amount of time. And she has this, her end goal is 38 pounds is what she said, which actually, if you look at all of her information, you do a dietary intake and then you interview her, that's actually a very reasonable goal for her body type and her lifestyle. Uh, But I had to be upfront. I said, the way to lose that amount of weight by your wedding would require a very aggressive approach. And then you also listed some emotional eating habits in there, some overeating habits. We have a poor relationship with food, body image stuff is in there. And I blatantly like outlined the pros and cons of trying to achieve this goal. And I think, and I said to, for you to be your happiest and also endure this stressful time of planning for a wedding, I don't want you to get your hopes up that this is something that we'll be able to achieve very healthfully or sustainably. And if, you know, I'm just letting you know that that is probably the expectation we can expect if we want to do this right and do this well. Uh, and I laid that out because she gets to decide based on that information of what it's going to take to lose 38 pounds by wedding, wedding day, she gets to decide if that's something she's willing to do. And then if I'm still uncomfortable with that protocol at that point, if I think I'm really setting her up for failure, I tell her that. And I, then I tell her, I may not be the right coach to help you do that. So again, it's not me shutting her down and saying, no, we can't do that. Or, you know, you're not in a place to do that or whatever. It's really, she needs to understand all of the kind of complexities that go into a decision like that. But like in the end, it's her decision uh, on whether she's going to pursue that. But it's also my coach as a decision to be like, is this do I see this really happening for her? Do I want to be the one to help facilitate this? Sometimes the answer is no, and that's okay. I think that's really good for coaches to be that self-aware. Um, I do have a question. You said something, but do you have something you wanted to say before I branch into a different, go a different way? I just wanted to just finish off with saying like, when we look at something like a maintenance phase, it's just remember like 
the whole idea is to, for a lot of people is like, if you're in a really, really low, um, energy, um, intake, so, um, you've, you're in a deficit of some sort, or, I mean, you might even be metabolically adapted, like the whole idea to bring you into, um, your maintenance. Cause remember when you do lose body fat, you become a smaller human, therefore your maintenance calories are going to be different. And that's mm-hmm. the thing, like coaches forget about that too. And even humans do like, they think they can just go back, you know, like I was 200 pounds, so I can eat the same way I did when I was 200 pounds. No, that's not true actually. And that's why you will gain more body fat because you're a smaller human. You lose 30 pounds. You got to eat like a, a person who's less 30 pounds, <laughs> like, you know, but really is like maintenance is like, you know, great for those who, cause I want to summarize this is for, you know, someone who um, is coming out of a, a deep deficit for sure. Um, you want to bring yourself up. And again, giving you the time to understand your mindset, your relationship with food exercise, especially if you've been in a competitor who has to make weight. So even like um, lift, uh, MMA, uh, bodybuilding, um, I would even say uh, Olympic lifting, because you do have to make weight. And for some of them, it can be really, it can really mess things up, right. With how they look versus even the lifts. Like it's, it's, it is, I've seen it. And I've, I've worked with athletes that are just completely messed up over it, or even CrossFit athletes who think they need to look shredded 24 seven when they're off season. I mean, that's when you do want to look shredded, but I mean, you're on season, you want to have some body fat, right? Like you want to be eating and fueling, but maintenance is really about like, for those who are really, really low is, is, is definitely, um, to pull yourself out of those metabolic adaptations. And for those who want to rebuild a relationship with food, I think it's a great time to work on all that because we do have a big window, like not a big window, but there's a sliding scale of like, so, you know, like maybe you don't have that the best relationship with food yet. And you feel like you did overeat. Okay. Well, you're 200 calories over your, your quote unquote calorie budget. It's not gonna, it's not a deal breaker. Cause you're in maintenance. Like let's, let's, let's educate you on that. You know what I mean? Like that's the stuff. And then also too, is if you are someone who really does want to just work. So you've been lucky enough. Again, I, I do think that you're lucky enough to get to a place where you've hit your goal. Like you are happy with your physique. And that was me. I did my contest prep. I was happy, but I was too lean. And I knew that. And I knew it was not sustainable, but the reverse diet was very, very, um, I, I wanted to learn how to get to maintenance. And it was the best it was the best way to do it is, is through the reverse diet. Um, it's great for people who want to maintain and maintenance means that you just kind of stay the same. So your weight on the scale might fluctuate here, you know, give or take, but you're not gaining body fat. You're not losing. You have a lot more food freedom. Like you're happier in that sense, right? There's not a lot of like, I mean, you don't, some people don't even track, like they're in this place of like, I'm just maintaining. And the thing about that is like, when you do like a reverse diet, when you do it slower, there's less overshooting, but you can always just jump into your predicted maintenance calories and stay there and likely still stay very, very lean. And then you never diet again. But again, it's a choice. I'm not saying you don't have to, but maintenance is really about being in that place of not having a specific goal. Right. And I think it's still okay. Like what I, what I would also want to say is like, Cause I think you kind of alluded it a little bit. Like, why do we always have to pursue weight loss? Why can't we just, you know, you know, be at maintenance and, but maintenance doesn't necessarily equate to you being in a better place to diet. Like I just, or you're earning your right to diet. I think that it's a place that people can get to that makes the journey and, and the weight loss actually sustainable. And probably that's the true success because we can lose 30 pounds, but if you can't keep it off, that is part of the problem. Okay. So, but that's kind of where I'm at with that. I'm going to piggyback off that real quick before I go into my other question, which is, uh, meeting clients where they're at. So we're talking about maintenance. Maintenance is about, that's where we want to live, right? We don't really, we don't have any fat loss goals, muscle gain goals. We can body recomp, but that's a different conversation. Um, when we hear coaches saying you have to earn the right to diet, which insinuates they have to be at maintenance. Um, and we're generalizing that to everybody. I don't know about Canada stats. We've talked about this before, Brandy, where in America, 65 to 70% of people are overweight or obese. And as someone who used to have that body composition, that was very detrimental to my quality of life. If I had a coach tell me that I had to check mark off these boxes and not pursue fat loss, which I believed and was right, that it was going to improve my health and quality of life. I don't, when I hear you have to be at maintenance for an X amount of time before you can pursue this, there's no freaking way I would have heard that. Because if anything, obviously I was overeating. We have a lot of overeaters out there. I know that there's definitely a lot of content that is geared towards undereaters, and you like to, that's your ideal client. Whereas mine's overeaters. Um, we got to meet people where they're at and we got to 
educate that bond instead of like bringing our ideology into it and saying, no, you have to, you have to maintain first. You have to like punch all these boxes before you can even lose weight. And that would go former Sarah, older Sarah, that would have gone over my head. And I would have felt unheard and like, and I would almost think that you were crazy and that you didn't know what you were talking about. And again, you're bringing your ideology to the table versus educating me. Maybe if you would have given me some science or, or just like explained the outcomes, if I were to do X, Y, Z, I would be much more receptive to your feedback versus you just saying, nope, you got to be at maintenance for an X amount of time. You've got to earn it. Do you agree with that? Um, yes. I mean, it's, it's a one word answer because you just said it all. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I feel like, um, first, I think what's scary about the, that whole conversation is that most people don't even understand what you meant, what you mean by maintenance. Right. And even if mm-hmm. we educate them on it, it's, that doesn't make sense to the goal that they came to you with. Mm-hmm. Right. So you telling me I can't change is yeah. what I would hear. Yeah. And so I think that it's just, it really is about educating. So like, if you were someone who came and I'll use your, your situation with your clients, you know, someone who's a, an overeater, you want, you, you want to help them get to that place because you know, that through their, their intake form that they really like, they, they want to stop number one, probably overeating number two, they just want to feel better in their bodies. It's not really about them um, doing anything other than that, like maybe improving health markers, whatever. But at the end of the day, um, we gotta, we gotta hear what the client is saying. And I think we want to help them optimize that. And maintenance doesn't mean optimization. I think that, you know, um, educating them on what is really, you know, beneficial for them. Like, you know, um, it's, it's hard because like you look at somebody's intake and, and let's say for instance, there's someone who doesn't, they don't even know what protein is. They've been eating peanut butter and they think that's protein. And that's vastly why they're overeating a lot. What, I mean, I'm going to change protein, but that doesn't mean that we're putting them into maintenance. You know what I mean? Like just, it's like the person who's told that you can only handle one change at a time. That's not true for everybody either. And so like, Mm -hmm. even with these situations, it's like, what can we do to help the client to make, you know, move 1% better the next day? And if that means for them that, yeah, coach B coach Sarah, I can definitely look on my work on my sleep. I can definitely work on my stress because I know that if I got more sleep, hell, I'd probably fucking be less stressed. They're working on two components, but then you said, then you say, well, and by the way, I mean, I know that if you had more protein throughout the day, you're probably going to feel a lot more satiated, but that doesn't mean they're in maintenance and that, because that by default, if you educate them on this, and this is what I would like to say is like, did you know that if you manage your stress and if you get more sleep and if you eat more protein by default, likely you're going to have more totally total daily energy expenditure. And you know what? We don't need to be in maintenance because you can be losing body fat just by working on some habits, behaviors. I mean, that's essentially what you're doing. Like you're trying to help them understand that why they're not where they're at and what is maintenance is great, but you got to do, you know, you, you do have to work on habits and behaviors, but that's again, like you got to sit at maintenance before you can lose body fat. No, because we don't even know what it is. You know why? Because we don't know enough about where they are, where they've been or where they need to go. And Mm -hmm. when we start to get all the stuff, the information, we understand what that path is to going. And that's where we educate them. And we ask the questions like, what are you willing to do? What are you not willing to do? Do you understand that this is what will, this will take? Because even a, a client of yours that like, well, actually I have a, a post I just did in my inner circle where I talked about like these, these six week, you know, challenges where, you know, I'm going to, you're going to get like, or 12 weeks or whatever it was like, you're going to lose like 50 pounds in 12 weeks. And when you do the math, like, okay, well, they're doing it. They're, they're losing a little bit more than what you should be losing. And in theory, right. For sustainability. So you educate the people on that. It's fine if you want to do it, but here's what could happen. And here's the, you know, and and just an FYI is that if you are looking for sustainable fat loss, you may not want to go with the accelerated route. However, you could still do it, you know, but here's what, you know, here's the, here's the, the roadmap, right? But again, like I would never take those choices away and I would never tell somebody that they have to be at maintenance. Like it's, it, to me, it's never on. I don't know. I think I read a post somewhere where it said it's a non-negotiable. Are you fucking kidding me? Mm. Do you know much work it's going to take to get that person there sometimes. And yes, I talk about the diet before the diet all the time, but in most cases, when I'm talking the diet before the diet, it's really in their habits and behaviors, understanding where they are, what they've been doing and why they're where they are. And, and if we were to dial in some of the stuff, mindset, relationships with food, um, you name it, like all the, I guess all the biofeedback, you know, and they choose which ones they want to work on, whether it's one or two or five, um, by default, they're going to start to work towards that goal anyways. And we haven't even hit maintenance yet. So and we're talking about health behaviors too. 
Yeah. But why stop them in their tracks? If they, they, they're like, you want me to get where I have to eat more food? Like, you know, that it'll, it'll freeze them. And they'll be like, no, 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 no. You're fucking talking bullshit. Like how can anybody get results? Um, we're, you know, in maintenance, because if they've heard anything, maintenance means you're staying the same. Mm-hmm. So how, well, but you're not, you know, <laughs> like we're trying to work on habits, behaviors. So again, like, I don't know, did I even answer your question? I, I don't know. I get talking. See, you're asking me, I no, it was good. So I I'm going to go with yes, because I really, I think you did, but it was a great conversation. And again, it really goes back to listen to clients, what they need. I'm a big proponent of you can work, work on health behaviors and want fat loss at the same time. I don't think we need to separate the two. Mm-hmm. I have clients who are working on stress management, sleep, um, you know, interpersonal relationships, not coping with food as a, as a coping mechanism. Why, like, a, like really what we do well at Heart House is we work on relationship with food and we keep that intact or make it better while pursuing weight loss. Uh, we can do that. That's possible. We don't need to fix relationship with food. We don't need to fix body image and I use fix loosely, but we don't need to fix those things before we work towards something. Uh, we can do those simultaneously. Not everyone can, which is going to lead into my next like little complaint is I think the problem as a coach and as a content creator is we're seeing a lot of overgeneralization in content that's being posted. And there's always caveat, there's always nuances and either coaches aren't aware of them or they purposely avoid them. Um, They're trying to, you know, increase engagement because they know if something is very, I don't know, is, is passionate in the way that they're disseminating the information that's going to increase likes and shares. So I do think there is an engagement factor that coaches are taking into account when they're giving that information, but the overgeneralization, I think is hurting the health and fitness space and something that I've really worked to improve. And I'm not perfect at it. And I still continue, you know, I still uh, have issues myself when I'm creating content, but I'm still working to provide that nuance and show people where the caveats are. But it's all about meeting the clients where that, and I'm seeing coaches take this like more robust, rigid stance with their ideology. And I think it's backfiring on people. Uh, I do have another, another thing I wanted to touch base or talk to you about, which is the difference between maintenance and diet breaks. Cause you alluded to this, where you were talking about, okay, if we're out of dieting for 14 weeks, we have to straight go into a maintenance for at least 14 weeks why don't we just call that a three month diet break and then continue to diet versus like, we have to have this X amount of time spent in maintenance. It's not, um, I don't know where this rule came from. And I've always questioned it ever since I started hearing coaches talk about it. So what, what's your thoughts on that? It's a diet break. <laughs> it's it, it, like, so I'll see, I'll see these in Facebook groups where it's like, you know, I was, I did a three, three, four month diet. I stopped for the holidays. I want to diet again. Am I in a position to diet again? Which is something we've already covered that we don't, we don't, that's, that's a bigger question and we need information for that. But, you know, I will hear coaches say, no, we need, really need to spend more time out of a diet. Well, we don't have enough information to even give that feedback. Number one. And number two, again, you can diet. If you take a short diet break, whatever, that's a month or three months, and then go back to dieting again, your body responds to the stimulus that we give it, right? It's not thinking, oh, we just dieted. We're not gonna, we're gonna make things a lot harder. What I care mostly about is where your psychological, like if we're assessing psychology, like where are you at mindset wise and why, where's that diet wanting to diet come from? And if we have a good reasonable way, then it's a diet break. It's, we don't have to be in maintenance for six months before we go on our next diet. No, again, like when we come back to, you know, the context of it all, like I, you know, again, diet breaks slash maintenance, whatever you want to call it. Cause it is maintenance. Diet, diet breaks is maintenance. Like that's what it is. Mm-hmm. So you, it's a great, it's a great opportunity to do diet breaks. Uh, diet breaks, generally speaking, are longer than a refeed, right? So uh, refeeds are really good for uh, when you are feeling like there's a little bit of metabolic adaptation, however, likely not going to happen in like three days because refeeds are just there for a couple of days, but refeeds are really for um, people who are just like tired of dieting, but they're not tired of dieting. If that makes sense, they just need a couple of days break or they have a weekend event, barbecue, whatever. But with the, um, um, so that's refeed with a diet break. It really is essential. Like it's, it's nutritional periodization. It works well for people who want to just take a break from dieting, but they know they're not done dieting. Mm-hmm. Whereas maintenance, if I said to somebody, let's sit at maintenance or are you, you know, are, are you done? It's because they're fucking done dieting maintenance. Mm-hmm. Like that's what I I've said it a hundred times. I sit at maintenance cause I don't diet and I won't diet. I am not actively trying to put myself into a deficit and I'm not actively trying to put myself in a surplus. I'm not actively trying to put on muscle. I'm not having to change anything other than 
I have a great relationship with food. I kind of like, I can go out, enjoy life. I can like track my food or not. Like I have this, this flexibility, let's call it. Um, but diet breaks are great for people who want to just take that break. Like they just, they just need time away. And honestly, if you never go back to dieting, then you're sitting at maintenance. Right. Mm -hmm. But again, like, um, I think you can have a, like I've, I've, and you know, I've talked about this, you know, for you personally, like there can be a diet break for two weeks. There can be a diet break for four weeks. Um, I know many coaches in the industry that generally speaking, if they do a mini cut, they're going to do four week mini cut. And then they're going to do four weeks uh, of maintenance. And then they're going to decide whether or not they want to go into a surplus. Again, mm -hmm. nutritional periodization. It comes back down to the same thing that I said with, um, like if we talk about your metabolism, no matter what you do, you, your body is going to respond to the stimuli provided how your body responds to a deficit is going to be different than somebody else. Okay. Mm -hmm. So again, maybe your body will adapt more quickly than somebody else. Okay. You could, and, and that works both going down and up like the reverse diet and, and, and also, and going into maintenance can work differently for some people, um, in terms of like how their, their metabolisms adapt. Right. So I think at the end of the day, it just really comes back down to what do you want from the experience? Like, are you someone who wants to continuously meet, uh, like hit a different goal, you know, like maybe you lost weight, but you're fucking tired of dieting. The summer's mm -hmm. here. So take the diet break. And then in, in the fall, let's start dieting again. Now, what you will hear coaches say, you have to track and you have to make sure you're hitting those maintenance calories because you've got to be in a better place to diet. Okay. No, you just, here's the thing. It is true that if you're eating 1200 calories, there's not much to take from, but at the end of the day, are you really eating 1200 calories? Let's just start where we're at, get a baseline and figure your shit out by that point. If you're not exactly at maintenance, again, it's a moving target that's okay. But I think it really just comes down to what are you doing most of the time versus like you have to do. And honestly, if you're ready mentally, if your mindset's in it, that's what I'm talking about. Are you ready to diet? It's not, you earned your right to diet. It's, are you ready to make this decision? Because you've now decided not to diet through the summer, which is cool. You're going to take a diet break slash set up maintenance. But you said to me, you have a goal of losing, you know, 50 more pounds. Let's start that again in, in September here's what the plan is. But guess what, Sarah, that plan can also change again. And maybe they don't want to diet. So what you tell them they have to continue to sit at maintenance. No, they got to fucking figure their shit out. Like, do they want to track? Like, again, like, I think that at the end of the day, when you're working with clients and understanding their outcome goals, you know, you can have nutritional periodization, build different things in free feeds, diet breaks and all that kind of stuff, but things can always change too. So as a coach, like what happens if that client says, I don't want to diet anymore? or they can't even afford your services. What the fuck are you going to do then? Mm -hmm. Right? So we still have to educate them on what's going on. And honestly, when you say to me, you know, do I sit at maintenance for six weeks, you know, because I've been dieting for six weeks, I'm just going to be like, do you want a diet break? Because are you, or are you not diet or finished dieting? And if you said to me, well, I'm not, I just want to take a break because I'm going away. Okay. Then that's what that is. Right. And again, it can be like, you can come back and say, I'm not ready to dive back in. I'm not, mm -hmm. I don't want to track my food yet. I'm kind of like feeling good right now. Um, and then you might come back to me and say, you know what? I was pursuing fat loss, but now I'm going to run a marathon. So mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on that? Do we need to like, what should we do? What, what gears do we shift now? Again, getting more context where, you know, all the stuff, you know? Um, but yeah, like <laughs> to answer your question, diet breaks are essentially maintenance and maintenance is diet breaks. And I think we just get too caught up in the language again of like, and it has to be a certain time frame. I personally do not think that anyone gets metabolically adapted like they think they do, unless you are someone who is a physique athlete getting to very, very low body fat levels and really low calories. And last thing that I want to say on that too, a lot of the times people will assume that the 1200 calorie mark is such a taboo place to go. Like God forbid, right? Um, I'm a small human. I'm 125 pounds. I have, I have eaten at 1200 or less calories to get to the body fat levels I needed to get to. Why? Because I'm a small fucking human. Everyone is different. And to say you have to eat a certain amount of calories to be a performance athlete, you got to eat 1600 calories or more, or you got to eat 1200 calories or more. Again, the person who's reading that is feeling like if, if they're not there, what do you think is going on in their head? Oh, I don't eat that much. Oh, fuck. I'm doing something wrong. 
And that guilt, mm. and then the client who signs up with a coach who shames them for being that client who has been eating that 1200 calories. And I'm like, it's, it's, it's hard. So again, like these are all things that we see in the coaching business that things have to change and how we, we talk about it, how we post about it, the content creation and all that, because again, you're an individual who deserves that individual experience. And I mean, I have clients that have, have been low down or down at low calories. And I've also had clients that sit at maintenance forever, but it's a, it's, it's all about their situation and their nutritional periodization and what they want from it. Yeah. Something I learned working with clients is that their maintenance and their dieting calories, they're also different. I have some who's, I have a client who's, who's lost 30 pounds. I haven't changed her calories since September and we're in April and it's just been steady drop where I have other clients where I'm changing it every, maybe like four weeks at least. And the thriftiness of the metabolism is going to vary. Um, people's genetics are going to vary and we have to take those into account. And, uh, something I learned from you early on when I was a coach was Sarah, sometimes you have to take clients a little lower than what's comfortable. Obviously we don't want to go around saying, yes, everyone eat 1200 calories because most people don't but some people do. And I think a coach who can be comfortable in bringing a client that low and telling them why I have some small humans who are maintaining on 1700. And there are some coaches out there who will say that's too low. They need to go up to 2000. Why? Cause I asked her and she's like, I'm actually good at 1700 calories. And there's no negative. There's no negative feedback from her, whether biofeedback body wise, and, and she's very active. And so I, like, I don't want us to also carry this badge of honor that, Hey, we get to eat more. Some people can, and some people do. And I have a lot of clients who are maintaining 2,500, 2,600 calories. And I have some who are just perfectly happy at 17. So the generalization is my problem with the content creation is everybody is different. Um, and I do have some clients who dip into that 1400 calorie range just to move the needle in the way that they want, but they've also, they're, they're on board with it and we do it responsibly. And I think that's the key. Can I add something to that part, part yeah. of the reason why we see that? And I mean, again, I'm not in a metabolic chamber, you know, attaching anybody to it, but it's because your maintenance calories could be so far, like they can be really a large spectrum because it depends on your, uh, your total daily energy expenditure and your need, um, like how much your body adapts, like what is going on? Like how much do we actually downregulate? So you can have somebody who is resistant to fat loss and, you know, like you got to make changes all the fucking time. And then you have somebody who's like a bad hard gainer and, or, you know, like it doesn't matter. Like you choose, choose uh, change once and everything will happen just smoothly. You know, like they'll, it'll just happen. And I think that's part of the problem is like, we look at the, you know, we just assume that, you know, okay, 1700 calories is going to work. But if that person needs 1400 calories, it's likely because a, there's a few things. Number one, maybe they're not tracking as consistent. Maybe they're, they're really not doing the things that they think they're doing the way you would ask the coach. Cause you're not right there holding their fucking hand. So you mm -hmm. have to assume that there is going to be some plus or minus of 20% anyways. And if that being said, and you've been doing it for a couple of weeks and they're still not seeing the results, then yeah, maybe they're sitting at maintenance. Maybe they've been sitting the same way because their maintenance gap is like 500 calories both ways. Right. So again, it, it really comes down to like, okay, so you, as the coach make that, you pull that trigger and you say, okay, well, we're going to drop you as long as you're educating them on what to have, what, what to expect. There's nothing wrong with doing that. And here's the other thing. If you don't feel comfortable as a coach doing that, then you reach out to somebody that you can talk to about it and ask them, what are your, what's your, what's your thoughts? I mean, Sarah and I, you and I talk about this all the time, um, about like client, client, client cases that we have. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important is to get feedback from somebody that, you know, in the industry that you can rely on that has that experience within that area. There's nothing wrong with coaches asking for co um, other coaches input. Mm -hmm. It's what makes us better coaches because we're, we're, we're not afraid to say, I fucking don't know. Right. Mm. But at the end of the day, when you have a client or, you know, coaches out there where you have clients that don't seem to have these changes and you're checking all those boxes of like, their accountability, their, you know, all their biofeedback, then maybe it's because, um, you know, they have a, a big window and their maintenance is just, you have to go lower. Um, some people like, for example, like I can start them, let's say for instance, they come to me and they are eating about 2,200 calories. And if we take that 500 calories away, boom, they're going to lose body fat. But maybe that person only needed actually a 250 right? Because they, it just, everyone is different. So how you, how you look at how you, you know, even put somebody to a deficit, it depends so much more on just 
you know, your exercise activity and all like there's, you're, there's so many things that go into your metabolic um, system and people don't understand that. And I think that's part of it. And again, I'm not here to educate anybody on metabolism because I'm not a metabolism expert. However, I've been doing enough research on it to help myself as a coach, to help people understand why reverse diet diets are beneficial or not, why they're not seeing the changes when they are eating consistently and blah, blah, blah. Like I've been sitting at these calories and blah, blah, blah. Like I got to help educate them as to what could be going on, but I'm not here to say this is exactly what's happening with your metabolism. And Sarah, you, you actually are so 100% correct in saying like our body will respond to the stimuli it's given. So again, you're a byproduct of choices you've been making. Those are your stimuli. So what are you doing? And you have to, you know, you have to be really honest with yourself. So again, it's not about earning. It's about educating and understanding who you are, where you want to be, and what the fuck have you been doing to prevent you from getting there? Because that is part of the problem. It's not because you're broken, you know, stop blaming hormones and all the shit around you. Understand you as an individual. And if you have a coach that doesn't want to hear that shit, then you need to find somebody that's willing to listen and kind of open up and allow you to be vulnerable. Because I think that's what makes you and I, especially in this space, some of the best coaches in the, you know, in the space, because we are here to understand the individual versus telling them what to do. Because I'll tell you, I could give anybody a meal plan, fucking macros, and they will lose body fat. But if they're, you know, in their pantry, binge eating, how's that helping them? By ignoring that. It's, or punishing them, like do more cardio, got to do some hit this week too. And oh yeah, do the cardio. Got to want it bad enough. Yeah, right. Oh yeah, you clearly don't want it bad enough. So, you know, we're just going to cut calories and this is, you know, this is what you get for doing that. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't know. We could go on and on about this. I, I think we actually nailed it. I think we covered, I got my little list here. I think we covered everything that I, we wanted to talk about and we did it even better than before we started recording. So unless you have anything to say, I think we can, we're good. I think there's one thing that I want to say at the very end, you know, I can talk, but I wanted to say this because I circled it. My message for people is this, and even the coach, think about this. You always want to approach your client with a better way. Because what they're doing clearly is not optimal. So how can you as the coach now help them navigate for optimization? It's not you earn it. It's like, what can we do to understand how to make this a better approach for you so that you can, you know, choose to lose body fat and actually achieve those goals and not feel like you're going nowhere so that you can increase your performance so that you can run your marathon and fucking hit your lifts and PR them. Like Sarah, you and I see this in industry. Like we've got some really good friends in this industry that are high level coaches that are, are working with their clients because they're educated enough to do this. And they are running marathons and lifting weights, Mm -hmm. right? I've got clients that have done everything from like, yeah, running to then switching gears into, I want to lift. I've had CrossFitters switch over to bodybuilding and bodybuilding to CrossFitting. Mm -hmm. It all came back to performing and fueling their bodies. I've had women who's her like, I can't even eat a carbohydrate. Now they are, you know, and eating carbs and losing body fat because they've allowed the, they've worked on those health behaviors you were talking about. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just about a better way to diet, optimizing your approach. Don't ever tell a client they have to earn the right to diet. Because I know for me, when I read that somehow there's shame built into that or some guilt And it's like, no, because we talk about that, earn the right to exercise, earn the right to, I don't know, cheat meals, all that. And it just, it's, to me, it's just such a bad taste in my mouth. And I, I, I look back and I've said it, I know I have, but I'm changing that language because I'm aware now of what that means to people who don't even actually understand what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Actually that that's, um, I want to say, I want to say that too, that when people come to us, they're misinformed, not to their fault. Uh, and yeah. we got to be careful of how we talk about things, make sure they're not going over their head, making sure we're getting their feedback to say, does this make sense? And am I reading the room right? You know, because uh, clients don't, they don't know this. I, I thought you could lose weight while training for a marathon before. So I know that other people think that too, and it's not something I endorse. And I tell them why, and, yeah. and they get to make that decision from that place. So that's, 
your clients may some know more than you give them credit for, but some may also really need your help starting from scratch. Yeah. And I think that it's really important. Like, I think some of the best people out there are going to be like, um, the coaches and I, and I'm the first one to say it, like, I, I don't know it all. Like I don't, mm-hmm. and I will find out the information and I will be the first one to admit when I'm wrong. And like I said, like I've said, you have to earn your right to diet. And I don't believe people do have to earn the right. I think they just need to be a lot more informed. Um, I want to help them, you know, clear up the confusion around why things haven't been working the way they are. And it's tough. Sarah. like, I mean, you know, just to, you know, obviously finish off with this, like it's even as a coach, it's so frustrating to be in this industry because, you know, I re I see things on social media. Like I've had to take apps on my, off my phone just because if I do play into the scrolling, I get so angry by the, what do we call them? Fitfluencers or dispos mm-hmm. and stuff like they don't know shit. All they did was fucking lose some body fat or did some extreme approach. And now they think they can, they're experts. And I'm like, you're not, you can't mm-hmm. even answer most of the questions that your 10,000 you know, followers are asking you. Um, there's that frustration or, you know, even people that I know within the space that I would like to think that we're really good coaches, but now we're like, just looking to make money. So they're going against everything that they've probably been taught or even believed in just to make a buck. And they're like, here, here's your fad diet. Here's your probiotic. Here's your happy juice. Here's all these things that you can take. Like they're, you know, jumping on board with MLM companies and doing all these things. And I'm just like, Whoa, like this is what we're trying to help the clients not do. And I'm not Mm -hmm. saying everything out there is bad, but what I am saying is like these get shredded six week programs or all these promises that these coaches make. It's frustrating because I know for me, I deal with the aftermath. And while I appreciate the fact that people will come to me to help them understand why they've regained all of it. And they just don't know what's going on and they don't overeat. They're not like they do, but on occasion, they're not the overeater. Like you work with, I have to work my ass off to help them unlearn all that shit. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's my job. I love it. But at the end of the day, it's frustrating when you're in this space and you're like, Oh, please don't fall for that. Please. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that's where I'm at. Yep. Like always, again, there's always going to be a better way. And I think that we just need to help the clients optimize whatever it is that they want. And that's pretty much where I'm at. It's nothing. It has nothing to do with earning. That's a great <laughs> final line. We're good. Has nothing to do with earning. Okay, Sarah, I want to thank you for being here, asking me the questions, um, being in the driver's seat. I love it. We'll have to do this again. And just to be clear, Sarah will be on uh, on the podcast here and there. We always have something to talk about. So we'll definitely be doing another one. Um, before we leave, though, where can everybody find you? So you can find me at my new handle, Sarah Michelle Tierney. Uh, we'll spell that out. I'm prob- probably Brandy. And then uh, Hard House Nutrition, which is a nutrition coaching company that I own and operate. And thanks to Brandy's guidance, she also kind of helps me behind the scenes more than she realizes. So yeah, that's where, I, that's where I can be found. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. And I guess I will see everybody in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it. And don't forget to tag me at Motivate and Be Fit and follow or subscribe on the podcast app of your choice. And please don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. This allows the podcast to grow while helping more people figure their shit out. Chat to you next week.